0: Comedy icon Margaret Cho and her podcast from IRIOS called "The Margaret Show" brings you a weekly intimate conversation with an eclectic range of guests from stand-ups to drag queens to rock stars and activists. The conversations are organic, hilarious, and she never shies away from subjects like race, sexuality, or politics. You can listen to the Margaret Show wherever you get your podcasts. This is a
1: CBC podcast. Hi, and welcome to the show. It is Friday, August 21st. This is the podcast version of Q, the CBC radio show. My name is Tom Power. Big show today, uh, starting out with Dr. Jay DeSoka Prince, who's going to talk a little bit about Soka, but also talk a little bit about a drive-in concert tonight that's hoping to give some of the energy and some of the excitement and some of the joy that comes with Toronto's annual carnival. So we're going to talk a little, we're going to listen to some pretty, Amazing music. And we're going to talk a little bit about how to just find some light, find some normalcy and find some joy during what is undeniably a very dark time. After that, uh, speaking of the same kind of thing, uh, we're going to talk about the song of the summer, which is typically a way to talk about the huge, upbeat, joyful bangers that we listen to all summer that remind us of like lying on a hammock or going out in a boat or walking around town with our friends. What happens when we've been inside a lot of the summer? Well, we talk, we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're um, dedicated to do it. We're still going to determine what the song of the summer is for 2020. And then after that, Linda Peary, uh, my conversation with her from last year, she's uh, the lead singer of the band Four Non Blondes. She's also written after that. Uh, she's written songs for folks like Christina Aguilera and Weezer and Pink and Adele. So we're going to talk about her new life as a pop songwriter. And at one point in the interview, she walks over to the piano and starts singing one of the most amazing songs she's ever written, one of the ones she wrote for Christina Aguilera. All right, show starts now. Take a listen to this.
2: Boom! All the fans are-
1: Skinny Fabulous with a song called Up and Up. Hit songs like that are a huge part of the annual Caribbean Carnival Festivals around the world. Toronto has one of the biggest and most vibrant Caribbean communities in North America and a huge annual festival to match. And this year, for the first time in 52 years, it's been cancelled because of COVID-19. But even a pandemic can't really stop the soca music scene. The movers and shakers from that community are finding creative new ways to celebrate and keep soca's uplifting and infectious energy going strong. Dr. J D Soca Prince is one of the people behind this mission. He's a DJ and promoter in Toronto. He's known all over the globe. He's organized an event called the Soca or Die Drive-in, which is happening tonight. Dr. J.D. Soka-Prince is here to tell you more about it and give you an idea of what Toronto's 2020 Carnival might have sounded like and what it still might sound like. Jay, welcome to Q. Hey,
3: good morning. I, uh, yeah, how are you feeling?
1: I'm not too bad, by I'm not too bad. I am mean, I'm happy to talk good. to you. I, I got to talk about maybe some sad stuff first. You know, like I know you were this is usually a huge t- time of the year for you. You're usually getting, you know, getting ready for a really, really busy time of year. Um, what yeah. was your reaction when you heard there wasn't going to be a Toronto Carnival this year?
3: I mean, obviously, disappointment. Um, but I think first and foremost, because, you know, like, I help out with my grandmother, you know, my mother, like, dad. It, it's it's one of those things where you think to yourself, okay, safety first, you know? So um, I think for me, what it was, the same weekend that we had planned this big return from Trinidad Carnival it was called Return Fet. Um, that same weekend is when everything kind of spread. It was, so it was like the second week in March. So for me, it was about safety over any kind of financial or anything like that it was like okay we got to make sure everybody's safe because I can't have anything happen to my family and I don't want that on my conscience if something happened to somebody else who came to our event you know so I think as the news started to spread because you know when it started everyone's like yeah you just wash your hands and you're good or you that kind of thing as we learn more and more about what COVID-19 was and as, as you said this pandemic just hit and We got the dread news that Toronto Carnival had to cancel and many other carnivals that I would have DJed from Bermuda to Berlin, Germany, to um, St. Vincent, St. Lucia. All these carnivals I was booked for and everything just got canceled. So I think it was, you know, when that domino fell for Toronto, it was one of those things where I was disappointed. But we kind of knew what was happening because of all the other countries that had canceled as well.
1: And and as you mentioned there, it's not just this week or this weekend that we're that we're talking about here it's a 24 7 365 industry in Soka you know like this the pandemic has really um taken the wind out of the sails
3: yeah yeah it's 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 one of those things where I mean it really hit hard because it's not just me as a DJ but I think about you know the people that own restaurants or the banquet halls that we may have had events in or the nightclubs obviously and even down to the lady that I know that sells the flags and the rags and for all the different countries. And, you know, that's how she creates income and the people that sell the corn soup outside. Like there's a huge, huge cycle of, of life, so to speak, that, you know, it creates economic, you know, equality within our scene. And and I think the the problem that I have right now is, you know, when we came up with this drive-in, it was just trying to pivot. You know, I know that that's like a magic word right now is we're trying to pivot and adapt. And I think right now it's, um, how do I word this? It, it's one of those things where we say you can cancel the carnival, but you can't cancel the culture. So we're going to try our best to showcase that in a responsible way. How's that going to work?
1: Like, are you going to be able to recreate the vibe in a drive-in, people in the cars?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely the goal. It's it's a, it's, a, it's one of those things where when we first announced it, you know, a lot of people couldn't understand the vision. We got a lot of, you know, pushed back on it. And, you know, now it's, just sold out. We're trying to make sure we can do it where we can, you know, record it and broadcast it nationally. Um and I just think it's trying to get people to understand because for me, I listen to Soka in the car. And when I'm driving on the 401, for example, I've never had the vibe to jump out of my car and jump and wave in the street. Like you can you can listen (laughs) to it responsibly, enjoy yourself, you know, stay in your space. You're there with with your team, your your five people that fit in the car or maybe just you and your partner. And you could enjoy it. And it's something where the show we're going to put on featuring Kerwin Dubois, it's going to be, you know, second to none. And I think that's the way that, you know, all the stars aligned and that's how we're going to be able to really produce something, even visually, like we're going to have ladies in costume and it's going to look real nice.
1: I'm, I'm happy you mentioned Kerwin Dubois. I want to play a bit of music right now. Take a listen to this. Okay.
0: behind you Day right behind you Day right behind you Come let me do it
4: today Let
2: me do it
0: today and I'm sure to see you tomorrow
1: That is Kerwin Dubois with Adana Roberts that song is called No Tomorrow. As you just mentioned Kerwin Dubois is headlining tonight's driving concert. So what made Kerwin the perfect headliner for this pandemic soca driving concert which just sounds like a, a crazy sentence I just said. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy tag, a crazy tagline, Tom. But uh, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, it, he was the perfect one because he actually lives here. And he's somebody that has, you know, a crazy amount, an extensive amount of hits, you know, under his belt. And he's won the Groovy Soka Monarch in Trinidad. Um, he's, he's produced and written so many of the hits. And yeah, he calls here home. So it was something where when the opportunity arose, I reached out to him. We met at the drive-in and we had a lot of questions you know we were wondering is this going to make sense is it going to is it something where people will understand what's happening and we really came together and decided as you could tell there's you know you started off the show with up and up the energy of that song is different than the groovy that we just played in no tomorrow so there's ways of producing the songs and even if the song has a higher energy he could do it in an acoustic way just about how you deliver it and you know we're a very resilient people so i feel that you know, when Kerwin Duwa touches that stage, he's going to showcase the different facets of, or facets of soca music.
1: If you're just tuning in, this is Q. I'm Tom Power. My guest is world-renowned soca DJ Dr. J D Soca Prince. His latest event is called the Soca Or Die Drive-In, the first of its kind in Canada. Uh, Jay, last time you were on Q, it was to do a gateway to Soka music. It was one of our most popular gateways. Uh, I thought while you're here, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm happy to talk about uh, your event tonight. I'm, I'm, it's going to be amazing. I'm, it's really exciting. But I also just kind of want to go through Soca with you a little bit. So okay. uh, let's listen to some music. This is Feel the Love from Freetown Collective and Private Ryan on Q. May your heart find peace anywhere you come from. Could I up you, could I down blessings on my nation? This city can't hold me my vibes too high. and my to told me jump right now, you will touch
4: the sky. Feel my love unfolding like a laughing flame. All who did not know me went not done, they gon' know the name. Million people coming down,
1: dancing to a song. Love is life and life is That life. is, as I mentioned, feel the love from Freetown Collective and Private Ryan. I know that's a favorite of yours from the twenty twenty Soka season. What do you love about that one?
3: Yeah, and, and to be honest, I mean, I even love the, the edit you guys put together. You, get, you, have to, you have to email that one back to me. I love it. Uh, <laughs>
1: I mean, we won't charge too much. Don't worry about it. It's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, what, what I really love about this song is he's a spoken word artist who turned into, um, into a soca artist. And the lyrics, it just resonated with me on a different level. Like in the second verse, he said something about um, you could live a thousand lives and never feel the tree. And that is truly how it feels when you put on a costume, you play mass. There's, you know, my wife always says there's, you know, when the people come into the mass camp and people look at the costumes and there's always somebody who's like, oh, this is going to look good on me? And it's like, listen, there's always going to be somebody bigger, always going to be somebody smaller. We're all one family and we're here to empower everybody. And there's just a feeling that you have. There's no body shaming. You just put on your costume and you enjoy yourself in the streets. And that song, Feel the Love. Wow, it just really, I guess, captures that for me personally.
1: That's a that's a beautiful story. I, w- I want to talk to you a little bit more about soca culture and how soca culture's changed over the years. So we, as you mentioned, opened the interview with Up and Up from Skinny Fabulous. Uh, let's hear some of that again. And we ask- So that song is on the caution rhythm, like the whole idea of songs being on a rhythm that's a defining part of Jamaica's dance hall culture. But songs being on rhythms wasn't always a thing in soca. So I want to talk about this a little bit. First off, can you explain how the whole rhythm thing works?
3: Yeah, well, as you said, I mean, it started out in dance hall culture, you know, out of Jamaica. And I find when it made that transition into soca, a lot of the younger producers and even some of the younger artists, it was a way for them to save money it was a way for them because in order to to get an original rhythm and something that you structure all to yourself it it is pricey it does get you know up there in in cost and you know hiring the the different musicians or producers to, to put that together so a lot of these young producers they save money they just put together this rhythm, get a few different artists and then they get their inspiration for the song off of that rhythm and then everybody jumps on now the djs have four to eight different artists to choose from while they're playing this rhythm. And it's just juggling similar to what they did in dance hall. So that now has become something very popular in the soca culture.
1: And, then, and it's, there's a bit of a competitive aspect to it, right? Like, you know, like the, the, all these songs have the same beat, they have the same rhythm. They, you know, they make their own song with that beat and then they release all the, the same songs. And as you mentioned, the DJs play those songs and then like, it's, it's up to the, you know, it's, it's sort of competitive. I mean, it's, it's lightly competitive, yeah. but it's competitive, right?
3: Yeah, 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 for sure. And even as a DJ, like I've had artists that will listen and see, okay, whoever song you play last is usually the biggest song on the rhythm. Right. Right. So they, they'll ask, well, wait, Jay, how come this one played before mine? And You know what I mean? So it's just like, <laughs> As you said, it, 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 it's definitely competitive and, um, you know, trying to come up with different melodies and ideas off of that one consistent rhythm is tough. You know, it seems easy. Because oh, so they all have the same beat—that's simple. But when you know that you're competing with this artist or that artist, you really have to step your game up.
1: But as I mentioned, that's that's part of dance hall. Like it wasn't always a part of soca. Now that that's that's no. part of soca, how has it changed soca?
3: Yeah, I mean it's something where you know you have your your purists, your traditionalists that don't like it at all. Um, but the younger generation who is accustomed hearing that in dance hall, they like it, um, and it's something where you know. For me personally, I'm a little bit older, but I'm still connected <laughs> with the youth. And, and and I feel that, you know, it, it's like I'm torn sometimes because sometimes I feel like, oh, come on, you guys are being lazy when there's just so many rhythms. But you do get some gems out of it. And it's funny, like sometimes one song will stand out and it ends up becoming like a single because nobody plays the rest of the rhythm because this one song dominated that rhythm so much.
1: Hey, we're going to close on a pretty special song. This is your pick for biggest Soca record of the year this is the song that, in your opinion, is so big you pretty much guarantee that it will flatten any soca party that it's played at before we go any further, what does flattening a soca party look like
3: <laughs> okay so yeah yeah you, you guys use me verbatim all right so th- this is are <laughs> means. so you know when um let's say there's a natural disaster, hurricane, tsunami whatever and it just flattens there's destruction everywhere yeah and it's that visual so in in like dj lingo when we're talking to each other and it's about like yo i landslide the dance you know or i flattened the party and that just means when you played it caused destruction and like no other dj could even come on after that because you just leveled it you flattened it it, it doesn't mean everybody leaves no, no, no 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 it's the people that caused the flattening so you were the dj that caused the people to carry on to that point so yeah
1: <laughs> so so the song we're gonna play is is by problem child it's called nasty up um what is it about this song that that does that that flattens the crowd that gives that kind of audience
3: okay so as you play this like you're gonna hear that the tones at the beginning his energy the way it builds up it just has this this climax within the song so when you're djing it's just when people are expecting that moment when they hear the like Play, play—you'll see. Problem child, nasty up, OGS oh, are dangerous. Hold on, hold on, let me go.
1: That term "nasty up" is in reference to the powder and the glitter and the paint and the mud, and and people are known to smear on themselves as part of yeah. the, the carnival. What's what's the significance of that?
3: So, I mean, that takes it back to the origins of carnival, you know, through emancipation and slavery, and the, the French settlers coming into the Caribbean, specifically Trinidad. Um, and I think what used to happen was the day was for the wealthy and the night they would let, you know, the slaves and, and the indentured workers have that. And they would mock the wealthy. And that is how a lot of the the fancy costumes came about in certain um, cultural characters. But in specific with Jube, which is like the opening of Carnival, the beginning of the, the Lenten season, you know, when you have the mud on, you have the powder, the paint, the oil, um, what used to happen, and now it's even translated like there's some bands that do chocolate. Um, what I think that signified was the wealthy could actually mix in with the poor, like everybody is one. You can't tell somebody's bank account or, or status when they're all together in the mud and the paint. So I think it was one of those things where Juve has become one of the most freeing and, 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 and vibrant times, you know, and it's weird to use a term like vibrant when you think of mud yeah. and, you know, powder and stuff, yeah. but Trust me, when you see it and you experience it for yourself, it's one of my favorite times of carnival. Uh,
1: Jay, I got to say, you know, it's such an unbelievably dark time and it's so hard to bring any light to it. And there are days where we feel great and then there are days that we feel horrible and we feel, seem to have no control over it whatsoever. Uh, what, a, what a gift you're giving by putting on this concert tonight, what a gift you're giving by talking about this music today, and what a bit of light you're bringing to the world. So, so thank you so much for it.
3: Yeah, I definitely appreciate this opportunity, and and to be completely, you know, transparent, I myself go through that, you know, and it's something where Soka music truly makes me happy. So, anytime I have those those moments of you know doubt, of you know despair, desperation, anything like, music truly heals, and that's why like, I like even have a show called Soka Therapy. I really believe. This music is therapeutic to the soul. And yeah, for at least a night tonight, we're going to try and, you know, feel that love and and enjoy ourselves in a responsible way. And I thank you for the opportunity to to be on your show.
1: I, I hope Kerman Dubois flattens the place tonight.
3: <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, I'll make sure I pass that on.
1: <laughs> can you do me a favor? Can you, uh, we're going to say goodbye, but can you, can you introduce Problem Child, Nasty Up, can you introduce that for us?
3: For sure, for sure, for sure. Aye, 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 this is Dr. J. The Soka Prince And I'm telling you, you see me right now I want you to get ready Turn your radio up loud It's time for the vibes, it's time for the energy This is Nasty Up Problem Child Let me go! Strange Strange behavior
2: Crazy people do, 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 do. Powder and flour in the air Mess it up it up oh, yeah. What's that crazy people dropping off in the van different thing they have in their hand They jumping up and down, they don't give a damn Carrying on like them is some hooligan We gon mash up everything like we have insurance I tell on everything like
1: me, be sure. That is "Problem Child" and "Nasty Up." A song pick for my guest, Dr. J Desoka Prince. Just before that, you heard my conversation with Dr. J. If you're in the Toronto area tonight, you might be able to catch him along with the headliner Kerwin Dubois at the Soka or Die Drive-In Live Concert. <laughs> I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Take a listen to this. What'd she say? My name is Chi Chi
2: Devane, and I don't get ready. I stay ready.
1: That is drag superstar Chi Chi Devane on her first episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. News broke yesterday that Chi-Chi died at the age of 34 years old. Chi-Chi was born Xavion Davenport from Louisiana. She was a charming performer whose drag looks brought her to season 8 of RuPaul's Drag Race and season 3 of Drag Race All-Stars. Chi-Chi died yesterday after days in the hospital due to suspected kidney failure and high blood pressure. The entertainment and drag community are remembering Chi-Chi online. Recent All-Stars winner Shea Coulee posted on Twitter saying, quote, I'm literally so devastated and sick to my stomach. Wake me up when it's all over. RuPaul himself tweeted, I am so grateful that we got to experience her kind and beautiful soul. She will be dearly missed but never forgotten. May her generous and loving spirit shine down on us all. Here's a song that Chi Chi famously lip-synced. It's a performance that landed her a spot in Drag Race. Her story, this is Jennifer Holliday with, And I Am Telling You, I'm Not Going. Jennifer Holliday, and I am telling you, I'm not going. Chi-Chi Devane from RuPaul's Drag Race died at 34.
0: Sound Off by Critical Frequency, hosted by longtime music journalist Katie Henriksen, brings you in-depth interviews with musicians whose work defies categorization. Katie has licensed full songs from her guests, so listening to the show feels like listening to great music with the backstory woven in between songs. You can listen to Sound Off wherever you get your podcasts. David Tennant does a podcast with, from something else, is back for another season. David sits down virtually with the biggest names in entertainment, including Dame Judi Dench, Jim Parsons, Elizabeth Moss, and more. You'll get an inside look at these stars' lives with revealing conversations, surprising stories, and, of course, lots of laughs. New episodes of David Tennant Does a Podcast With, available every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Every summer, there's that one song. You know the one, the song to rule them all, the anthem of sunlight, the track you hear blaring from passing cars or every time you open up social media, the one that gets stuck in your head like gum on the bottom of your flip-flop. You are powerless in its presence. Usually naming the song of the summer feels pretty straightforward, and we, and we do it pretty much every year on cue. Whether it was last year with Old Town Road by Lil Nas X, or whether it's like something like Summer of 69 from Brian Adams you know, a few years ago. I'm talking about the kind of song that will bring you to heat waves and road trips long after the summer ends. But this summer has been a um, unique one. There's a once in a century, ideally pandemic an international reckoning around systemic racism. So choosing the official anthem of summer 2020 is kind of complicated, especially when you can't really enjoy the summer too much. So we thought we'd get former U.S. President Barack Obama to help us. I mean, God, if I had a nickel for every time I said that on this show, Obama just shared his personal summer playlist and our Cue This Music panel is going to use it at least as a jumping off point. A. Harmony and Stuart Berman are both music journalists, and they join me now, and because it's the pandemic, from their respective homes. Hi, guys. How are you?
5: Hey, doing well. Hi, Stuart. Pretty good. How are you doing, Tom?
1: Um, Not too bad. Not too bad. I wish we could be together drinking a pina colada or something like that, but, you know, here we are. (laughs) Well...
5: I'll go put my order in for some Barley Ray Jepsen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh,
1: let's talk about this. So uh, for years now, Barack Obama has come out with these lists of his favorite things in the arts, his favorite books of the year, his favorite films, his favorite songs. This week, he gave us his favorite songs of the summer. Stuart, can you tell us a little bit about his list?
5: Well, it's interesting, you know, with every music festival canceled this year, the Democratic National Convention is like the closest thing we have to Coachella because you have (laughs) all these artists performing like Billie Eilish and John Legend and Maggie Rogers. So Obama's playlist, you know, serves the function of like advertising the DNC. You know, it's like your preview of all the artists that are going to be playing. But, you know, this guy is also proven he's a big music head. And, you know, this playlist is consistent with his brand as, you know, someone who tries to appeal to all people. You know, you've got some old school artists like Bob Marley and Stevie Wonder on there mixed in with, you know, some contemporary rap tracks and Childish Gambino, Megan Thee Stallion. And, you know, some more indie leaning affair uh, like Moses Sumney and of special interest to Canadians, our own Andy Shaw. Is on there with the song "Neon Skyline," which is the song loosely based on the Skyline Restaurant in Parkdale. So Parkdale, Toronto, is represented on this playlist.
1: Well, thank God I was losing sleep over that.
5: Um, <laughs> but basically, yeah, if Obama wasn't a politician, he'd be a perfect NPR host. I mean,
1: but that's the thing, right? I mean, Harmony, I'm not, I'm, I'm by nature not a cynical person, uh, and I, I, I even started to buy into some of the conversation online of like. Is Obama really listening to all these songs, like all these, all these different kinds of music? What do you think, Harmony?
2: I know. Well, I am by nature a cynic, and usually I'm skeptical, super skeptical about social media posts from public figures especially, but like Stewart said, Barack Obama has been pretty consistent in terms of proving that he's a music head and sharing his love for music uh, throughout and after his presidency. You know, there were artists uh, like Aretha Franklin and Prince, Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar, they all made their way to the White House at some point during the Obama administration, and he really immersed himself in pop culture. So even if there is a team of Social media managers kind of vetting the list before it's posted. I don't doubt that they're all uh, really songs that he plays in his playlist on a daily basis.
1: I guess there was the late Bob Dylan, like the Rough and Rowdy Ways, Ways Bob Dylan, that I was like, really? I mean, I, I mean, I don't know many people who listen to that record, but I, I know. But I, he also gave the Presidential Medal of Freedom to Bob Dylan, so I guess that does kind of make sense.
2: Exactly, I, I think he uh, he walks what he talks, and he really engaged with a lot of different artists during his presidency. So I don't doubt that he has a really eclectic music taste. So Listen. this.
5: He's a middle-aged dad, and this playlist is perfectly reflective of a middle-aged dad.
2: So- I know. The fact that Work by Rihanna is still on there so many years later is proof of that.
1: <laughs> so let's, let's use this as a jumping off point to talk about, <laughs> talk about Song of the Summer here. I usually really look forward to uh, talking about our annual Q Song of the Summer, but it's going to be a little bit different. But let's, let's pretend things are somewhat normal. Stuart, what does a, a summer banger need to have?
5: Well, you know, it's, it's, there's no official chart ranking for the top summer banger. It's just something you sense and feel out in the world, like through osmosis. Um, you know, you hear them at every, every barbecue, or like you said, when a car pulls up next to you at a red light and people in there are singing along. Or also like if you're at a music festival and they're playing songs over the PA before the band goes on, and then, you know, the DJ drops that one track that everyone kind of freaks out over, even louder than the real live band that they're waiting to see. Um, But of course, this year, we don't have any of those metrics at our disposal. So, you know, it's a much more subjective experience this year. And
1: and Harmony, I mean, obviously, this summer has been something, I mean, uh, something of an aberration between the global pandemic and the reckoning on racism and racial justice. Has this changed the way you're digesting like summer music right now?
2: Absolutely. So during the summer, I'm usually looking for an upbeat, carefree, really thumping track. Or like Stuart said, that song that you know you're going to hear at the festival and just uh, like really jam out to when you hear it. But this summer... a, I've been left to my own devices. So uh, the experience is a lot more subjective. And I found myself gravitating towards more calming, mellow, soulful songs. Like I'm not really into the whole hyping up this year. Um, I'm listening to the type of stuff that you would listen to when you're winding down after the party or like you have your end of the night bonfire, something that just kind of calms my mind after reading about pandemic updates and frightening punctuation marks like murder hornets and nados. I just want soothing music that just kind of calms me down after all
1: of that I think Fire Nada would make a pretty good song of the summer maybe next year
2: (laughs) too soon Tom Uh, too soon
1: let's uh let's do it I'm, I'm excited to say we're gonna do it we're gonna try our best to give our candidates for song of the summer 2020 Stuart why don't you go first
5: Well, the obvious answer to this question is WAP by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. But that song is like almost so huge that it seems unfair to every other piece of music in existence right now. And I understand we used up all the WAP discourse in last week's uh, Q This. So I'm going to pick something different. Um, It's not necessarily a song for the summer. It's a song for all seasons. Uh, It's Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa, which actually first came out last fall. But this song has had some serious legs. It peaked at number two on the Billboard charts in March, but it's hovered in the top 20 ever since. And it's now been on the charts for 41 consecutive weeks. And I feel like Dua really used this moment to her advantage. You know, at the beginning of COVID, a lot of artists like Haim delayed their album releases. But Dua dropped a record on schedule at the end of March, and it really kind of filled that need for something like escapist You know, right at that time when we were like coming to terms with venues closing, you know, here was a song that lets you like dance in the 80s discotheque of your dreams. And I think that's a feeling a lot of people want right now.
1: Let's listen to Stuart Berman's pick for song of the summer or summer banger, Dua Lipa and Don't Start Now.
0: show up't come't me oh, yeah.
1: that is Stuart Berman's pick for song of the summer 2020.
5: I also think you know, a, a big you know, criteria is, uh, is hearing Tom power sing along. <laughs> <laughs> to to get them, singing along. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's usually a candidate to get it crossed off the list. Harmony, what do you think of Stewart's pick here? I mean, my, my feeling is that if, it's, if it went to number one in March and life really has been on pause since then, it might still qualify for Song of the Summer. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Stewart's pick here?
2: I think it's a strong pick, especially because that seems to be the theme song on TikTok for uh, things that just go completely confusing and out of control in your life. So (laughs) I think it's a perfect pick for song of this uh, very bizarre summer 2020.
1: That being said, Harmony, you have a different pick. What's your pick today?
2: Yeah, I have a very different pick. So I went way off the beaten path with this one. As I said, I typically pick like a rousing, thumping summer anthem. But this summer, I've just been about uh, mellowing out and reflecting and just uh, listening to those songs that you kind of sit on your balcony and sip your wine to and just watch the sunset and mellow out. I chose uh, Distance by Yeba. Yeba is uh, a soul singer from Arkansas. I love her voice. She has this beautiful, haunting voice. She teamed up with Mark Ronson for this one. He's a longtime collaborator of hers. And it just has this really soulful kind of stick to your ribs feeling. Um, the lyrics have a really nostalgic element to them and kind of talk about sending love to people uh, from a distance, which speaks perfectly to this summer. So Distance by Yebba is my pick.
1: Let's listen to Harmony's pick. This is Distance by
4: Yeba.
2: Take me back to the distance
4: Sending my room, my love all over
1: you. Beautiful melody. And it reminds me of just like those nights when you're inside looking at last year's summer photos and feeling sad. Uh, Stuart, what do you think of Harmony's pick?
5: You know, I was not familiar with the song before Harmony picked it. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, if the Dua Lipa song is the summer we imagine we're having, you know, this is, feels a lot more like the summer we're actually having.
2: <laughs>
1: it's a beautiful song, Harmony.
2: It is. It's gorgeous. Yeba has an amazing voice. And even though, um, you know, it's nostalgic and it's a little bit sad, there's still like a rousing kind of hopeful undertone to the song. So I, I love it. I've been playing it on repeat since it came out this spring.
1: It's a beautiful, beautiful song. If you're just tuning in, this is Q. I'm Tom Power. I'm here with A. Harmony and Stuart Berman. We're talking about the song of the summer and what has been a summer for the history books. But I I want to talk about something else. And and actually, Stuart mentioned this a little bit earlier when he was talking about the situation with venues in Canada right now. We're now in month six of the COVID-19 pandemic. We've talked a little bit about what the future of concerts might look like earlier in the show. We talked to Dr. J. DeSoka Prince, who's doing a Soka concert tonight. In a drive in, Harmony, tell me a little bit about the burden that COVID 19 is having and likely to have on independent venues in this country.
2: I mean, the pandemic certainly presents unprecedented challenges uh, for every sector. But for the music industry, there is a significant economic burden uh, that this pandemic presents. It's because the uh, independent venues rely on the things that we can't do right now. We're discouraged from gathering in groups and in large crowds in close quarters. So um, it's a, it's effectively uh, paused the music industry in its tracks. There are venues across Canada that were already struggling to stay afloat uh, before the pandemic. And so now... Uh, the longer that they stay closed, the the higher the risk of permanent closure becomes. We've already started to see some venues permanently close their doors. Orbit Room in Toronto and the Starlight Social Club and Kitchener-Waterloo have already had to shut their doors. Um, and because it's hard to say when it will be safe to gather in large crowds again, it's likely that we'll see uh, more venues go out of business as time goes on. Uh,
1: yeah. As you mentioned, there are estimates that as many as 90% of independent venues in Canada are at risk of Shutting down forever. These aren't the huge corporate sponsored places. These aren't the arenas. These are the places that touring artists play, especially when they're starting out. What would the closure of all of these venues mean for small, smaller Canadian musician, Stewart?
5: Well, you know, every famous artist you've ever loved was once an unknown unknown artist you never heard of. And they had to figure it out at, in these small venues. It's you know, it's the first rung on the ladder to success. So to lose these rooms is—it's almost like robbing a baby of their breast milk. Like it's essential to that first stage of development. Um, and but this is bigger than music. Like venues are the lifeblood of neighborhoods. Like think of any famous neighborhood, you know whether it's like Williamsburg in Brooklyn or Silver Lake in L.A. or even Queen West in Toronto. You know music venues are the foundation of them all. They're what bring the people to the neighborhood. And a lot of people have gotten very rich <laughs> driving up the price of real estate in these neighborhoods because music made them exciting places to be. So it's, it's payback time now. Like It's time to support these venues that have brought so much joy to so, much, so many people.
1: Uh, Harmony, you mentioned the Orbit Room in Toronto. And Stuart, you mentioned Queen West in Toronto. And uh, it is worth talking about Toronto because there, that is a place that so many artists, no matter where they're from in this country, end up playing. In May, Toronto Mayor John Tory announced a property tax uh, relief program designed to help independent music venues in the city. Yesterday it was announced that 45 different venues would benefit from the program. So uh, Stuart, I'll start with you. How does something like that sound to you? Do you think that's enough to to save these venues, to save this industry?
5: I mean, everything helps, but I think, you know, and, and property tax is a, a huge expense for these venues, but you know, rent on its own is like astronomical, especially in a city like Toronto. So, you know, I don't know if this will be a life-saving measure for some of these venues, but it will certainly help in the short term. Harmony, what do you think?
2: I agree with Stuart. I'm not sure whether it will be enough, but every bit helps. And um, the thing that is making things really difficult is the uncertainty of the future. We don't know when we'll be able to gather again and when these venues will be able to open and uh, uh, restart their kind of uh, income stream. So, uh, you know, I hope that it helps, uh, but we'll have to wait and see.
1: I appreciate you both taking the time to talk to us about this today and give us your candidates for Song of the Summer 2020.
2: Thanks a lot. It was fun. Our pleasure.
1: But I ultimately got a text yesterday that said, Tom, what's your all-time song of the summer? What's your all-time summer jam that reminds you of beautiful summer nights? And I'm going to let you both know that I chose something a bit off-center myself, Here's Alan Jackson and Chattahoochee. <laughs> Bye, guys.
0: <laughs> 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 we'll went down yonder on the Chattahoochee. It gets hotter than a Hoochie Coochie. We laid rubber on the Georgia asphalt. We got a little crazy, but we never got caught. Down by the river on a Friday night. Pyramid of cans in the pale moonlight. Talking about cars and dreaming about women. Never had a plan just to live in for the minute. Yeah, with down under on the Chattahoochee. Never knew how much that muddy water...
1: Oh, you should see my texts right now. People going, really? Really? Chattahoochee? Really? But yeah, I think personal pick for my favorite summer song of all time, or at least... I don't know, maybe what it is is the fact that I'm spending the summer in... Uh, in Toronto, for the first time ever, I normally go to Newfoundland or I go to St. John's. or I mean, I don't go to Newfoundland or St. John's. I go to St. John's or you know, somewhere in Newfoundland or I go to Nashville or something like that. Maybe this is me craving, you know, wide open spaces, as the Dixie Chicks would say. That is Alan Jackson of Chattahoochee on Q. My name is Tom Power. Earlier this month, a whole bunch of musical powerhouses came together to sing the Beatles song Come Together. It was an online quarantine performance to raise money for people in the music industry who are struggling right now. And some of the singers were Slash from Guns N' Roses, definitely known for his singing, Ozzy Osbourne's bassist Rob Blasco Nicholson, and the frontwoman of Hailstorm, Lizzie Hale. And on backing vocals, the great Linda Perry. Here's how that sounded. can tell
0: you is you got to be free. Come
1: so Linda Perry singing background on Come Together by one of the greatest maybe maybe not maybe the best or at least one of the greatest bands ever kind of makes sense because for decades, Linda Perry has helped create the hit songs that have woven their way into the fabric of our lives. She's worked with Alicia Keys, Adele, Weezer, The Chicks. I could keep going, but if I continue to name all of the artists Linda Perry worked with, we'd run out of time. As a producer and as a songwriter, Linda's figured out how to pull something out of a performer that they may not even know that they have in them. She saw that pop stars like Pink and Christina Aguilera and Lady Gaga, these artists that people thought of were just sort of like you know products or they were just on television or something like that, that they all actually had something to say. And by doing that, by unlocking the humanity deep within these artists that was overlooked by critics, she gave them the biggest hits of their careers or she helped them make them. Lynn is about to give you a tour through the stories behind some of these huge pop songs. But first, we started with a recent legend she's been working with. This isn't a new artist, and in the grand scheme of things, this has to be one of the most intimidating artists you can work with. Linda Perry and I sat down, and we started by talking about the great Dolly Parton.
4: Dolly, like, with someone's, like, tell me what your your ideal situation would be. Like, where do you want to end up? I want to end up like Dolly Parton. Yeah. (laughs) She is amazing. Like, she has so much energy. She has taught me so much because she really lifts people. Like Dolly does not, there's nothing negative coming from her at all. And everything is very about lifting. Every, everybody in the room, not just the famous people, yeah. you know, everybody, the guy that comes in to change, you know, the trash, she'll lift him up, you know, and it's extremely inspiring. She's operating on a frequency that is far above most people, and we get along awesome because we are we our work ethic is incredible, and we write well together I mean we wrote six songs in two days can we can we listen to one of them take a listen to this yeah
0: I want to be the girl in the
1: That's Girl in the Movies, a song uh, written by Dolly Parton and Linda Perry, who's yeah. my guest. And while we were playing that, Linda looked at me and said, I got to tell you a story about writing with her.
4: Yeah, well... I work with a lot of people, right? And I barely can get these kids to sing a whole song in one day. It's like to do one – sing one song and get the vocal.
0: Yeah.
4: I've It's been like sometimes up to three days. No kidding. Just trying to get a vocal Just track. Trying Just trying to trying get to a get, vocal. Yeah. And so Dolly – so I do all the – the tracks in, in, in LA because the deal was I was not going to work with, although I love Nashville, love Nashville, but I didn't want that Nashville, you know, that sound. Mm-hmm. So I recorded everything in, in at my house and, or my studio and I put the band together and I took band members, you know, from different bands. So she comes in, Dolly sings six songs in one day. Oh my God. <laughs> that being one of them, yeah. Girl in the Movies red shoes i mean very complex songs she just comes in and in one day yeah sings all six songs that we wrote and i'm like going Holy f-. you mm-hmm. know like what the hell mm-hmm. and all all great like all keepers like you know not a flaw and then she'll stop and go oh i can do that better and i mean you tell me what you think but i i feel like i can do that better i'm like you did it great like five takes ago. Yeah. It was amazing. So the work ethic today is very alarming to me because, you know, I don't see the kids putting in the time and the focus that needs to happen in, the, in, in their careers. Right. You know, yeah. and when you got someone, 76 years old kids, is, Dolly Parton is, and when she's blowing – through six songs in one day I would step it up man I would yeah. step it up severely
1: <laughs> I, I want to take a listen to this because this is um, this is something else you did with Dolly Parton that I couldn't believe you did I'm happy you did it don't get me wrong but I could see it being sort of a risky thing I could see it being like being worried you'd paint a mustache in the Mona Lisa or something oh. like that just take a listen to this So that's the original right. version of yeah. Jolene. I was
4: like, wait a minute, I didn't do that. Much.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, that's the original version of Jolene. This is the your version of it.
0: Jolene, right. Jolene, 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 please don't take him just because you can. Your beauty is beyond compare, flaming locks of auburn hair, ivory skin, and eyes.
1: That song is already so sad, you know. Um, That's Jolene by Dolly Parton, kind of reproduced by Linda Perry, who's my my guest. Linda, like, that's... You did something really different with that one.
4: I love that. You know why I love that version? Not because it, I think, is absolutely brilliant, but so when they wanted to put Jolene on the album, there was, like, a remix, and they wanted to put that one on the album like you're not putting that bad remix on my perfect album mm-hmm. it's not going to happen and then like, I was a like, bad, like
1: a remix like yeah, a club remix or something? yeah that yeah. was
4: in the movie they wanted to use it you know in the on the soundtrack right. and i'm like it's not going to. one happen. of those
1: strobe light scenes exactly where you, yeah, right i understand you.
4: so i said hold up wait and then i just went and i made a phone call and i called my string guy and i'm like I needed to do a 16-piece version of Jolene right now. And so I go meet with him and I tell um, Dolly, how about we do Jolene Mm. and we do it, you know, all strings, you know, like Eleanor Rigby, right? And she's like, oh, okay, I can do that. All right, that sounds interesting. She was into it? Yeah, she's always like, she's always, you know, like always open-minded. So now I got the string set. I mean, literally, it happened in two days. Put the Got the arrangement, go to Blackbird. And so, and it's kids. And and I went with, I'm always doing, I never go with the norm. So I got kids because I knew. How old? They're like, you know, in their early 20s. Oh, okay, right. You know? So not
1: like old season session players yeah, or anything
4: like that. Right? I get it, yeah, because sometimes. Something happens there that it's not my jam, right? Yeah. So I get these kids. They're like, you know, whatever. Oh, my God. Dolly Parton. They're in Blackbird. And so they're all in there. And I bring Dolly. I'm like, you know what? You should go in there. And prior – Because she wasn't going to sing with them. She was going to do, you know, in another booth and maybe after. Mm. So earlier I had put a microphone in there just in case because my dream was that she would sing with them. Right. So I take her in there and I'm kind of egging this on a little bit. I take her in there and I'm like, Dolly, here's the strings and, and tell everybody and they're all introducing. She's like, oh, my God. Well, where do you want me to sing? I'm like, Well, you know, I have you over there, but it would be great if you were in the room. She's like, well, I can't be in here right now and not sing with them. Uh. And I had a camera going and I'm like, roll. And that version is one take, one take. Yeah. That perfect, perfect vocal. Yeah is one take with Dolly in the room yeah. singing live with that the strings. That be must
1: beautiful for you, too, Lindy. I, I cried. Yeah. I got
4: chills. Yeah. Everybody in the studio freaked out. It was like you saw something happen, historical.
1: Listen, I'm, I'm happy to be talking to you about this stuff um, and talk about your production work. I want to get to your songwriting work yeah. uh, a little bit later. But you, know, you were the first woman nominated in 15 years uh, at the Grammys for Producer of the Year. Uh, the last nominee was a member of a team of producers called The Matrix. I mean, you know this industry inside out, and I feel like I'm asking a bit of a dumb question, but I need to ask. It. How can the industry go 15 years without nominating another woman for producer of the year?
2: Well,
4: there's many things you can say. One, a lot of the women that were doing productions, there's a certain amount of – you have to be eligible for a certain amount of songs.
1: Right. It's a volume thing. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Like you need more. So there could be that because when women produce, they're producing their own stuff. Mm. Um and then there's not enough of like them doing a you know other material um two, I think that we fall into just the norm you know have you know when you wear red what like you, you wear a red shirt, yeah all of a sudden, you see everybody wearing red, yeah, right yeah it's like that if you don't wear a red shirt, you don't notice the other red shirts. We just got used to seeing men producers and then choosing the men producers.
1: Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, do you understand? yeah, Yeah. I understand what you mean. We yeah.
4: just are used to that. And so you just make those choices. When you got this record coming in, you choose that guy because he did all that. So we don't go to the girl producer. Um, so right now, that's part of what I'm trying to do is change the language. Instead of people asking me why are there no women producers, I am now saying... There are. You're talking to them. So why don't we focus on what it is that I do? Yeah. You know, and so I started a show where I have Dolly, Grimes, show um, uh, Crow, and yeah. we're all talking about being in the studio. Mm-hmm. I did one with Alicia Keys, and mm-hmm. I'm putting the show together called We Are Now so people can see that women are all over the place. We just got to change the language.
1: I, I like I like the story of this song because I'm hoping you can tell it because we were talking earlier, about I said, you know, you know why has it been 15 years since a woman's been nominated for producer of the year? And you say, because I want to talk about what I do. I don't want to talk about why we need more women producers. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about what I do. I want to frame the discussion as what I as a woman do as a producer, what a as a person do as a producer. And this is a cool story to me. Can you tell the story of, of What's Up here? Because someone else produced it originally, right?
4: Yeah, well, originally the um, producer, David Tickle, he... <clears throat> had a marching drum solo in it. You know, <sharp inhale> he asked me to change the lyrics because he didn't understand why I was repeating. And I try, oh my God, do I try, whatever, all mm-hmm. that. Um <clears throat> Put a solo in there and I was, at the end of it, I went into Interscope and I said, I can't stand, this is not the song I wrote. And they're oh, like, can't you just be happy, Linda? It sounds great to us. Mm-hmm. Can't you just be an artist? You know? And, um, and then I was like, you know, actually, no, I can't. And so, I grabbed the band. We had one reel of tape. We had no more money, no more budget. They weren't going to give us a dime. Mm-hmm. Went to back to San Francisco and went to the plant and said, "Hey, can we come in and can you just give a, give us a day? You know, we have a, you know, real tape." So we go in there. They give us an engineer. I I don't know anything about production, but I know what I don't like. So I sat in there with the engineer. And we started dialing in sounds together. I started moving microphones around until the drum sounded right, mm. acoustics, guitar, everything. And then we just started recording the song. And what was great about it, funny, is because on tape you only have three options. So we had to be sure that when we we were going to go over a take that it wasn't that was not going to be the master take. So we were rolling over takes. So then we get our take. And then David Tickle walks in at the end of it while we're getting in our last take. And then I was so annoyed. This is the producer. The producer. I'm like, what are you doing here? But I didn't realize that we had to mix and make mastering the next day. We worked all night, got the song mixed and done, and it made the mastering date. And then when I asked for production, everybody said... Can't you just be uh, happy that you saved the day, yeah. and that you know you're an artist that you know wrote the song and saved it? And so that version, yeah, that was my really my first production, Your first production credit, and yeah. that was my version that's all over the world.
1: Linda, I remember when like so we're gonna listen to some of the songs you've written for other artists now, yeah. and I remember like being in school when some of these songs came out and people saying to me, Hey, did you know the you know the girl from Four Non Blondes wrote that? Song? Did you know the and it was it kind of blew our minds. So I think you're about to have that experience right now if you're listening to You're not going to have it, Linda. Oh,
4: you were looking at yeah, me I know, like I was going to have that experience. Speaking to the
1: royal we here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take a listen to this So that's pink and the song that defined my lonely high school dances <laughs> get this party started um and that was uh written by my my friend here my uh, guest linda perry <laughs> linda i heard us and a st- produced i heard a story written and produced i heard a story that that whole thing came about with you sort of like getting some new gear and trying to figure out how it worked
4: yeah i was a total analog snob and when i moved to los angeles i had this really great studio in san francisco it was all analog and then when i moved to la i was like all right you know what what is the sound that's on the radio so i i, I asked a friend of mine i'm like tell me what this the sound is 2000 was it 2000 2002 something like that right um, and he's like, "Oh, it's it's a Triton keyboard, it's a Roland expansion, right. you know." I get all this gear and I hook it up, and yeah. then I I'm, I'm just playing with it, and like literally 30 minutes later, I have this song, what you just heard, and the, so the vocals,
1: the hook, and everything. I
4: grabbed a you know, well, yeah, everything, and I at the end after I got the music, and mind you, today you have Pro. I didn't have Pro Tools. I, I was I was still going to tape. Right. So you know that loop. I played down for three and a half minutes, whatever. I played bass for three and a half I mean, everything was just all live that I played oh, it. Oh, cool. Played all the samples live, you yeah. know? And so then I just grabbed a bullet microphone, which is a harmonica microphone, and mm. I just picked it up. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to think of every, you know, friggin' cliche I can think of.
1: Yeah. Thanks for saying friggin', by the way. Thank you. You're You're very welcome. nice of you. <laughs>
4: I know. I'm being very thoughtful. You're very, today. very nice to me. I appreciate um, it. And so I just thought of everything cliche and just started uh i'm coming and i just wrote the song and i laughed i played it to my manager on the phone and she's all what's that and i'm like i just ran um wrote a dance hit you know and then literally a week later met pink and then played that to her and she's like oh my god i love it and then her uh what's his name uh her Billy Reed? thank you L.A. Right. Reid I was like well that's our first single
1: Right? is this surprising to you at all because it was kind of surprising to us in school being like Do you know with the four non-blondes and the guitars and all? was it surprising to you that you were writing top 40 pop hits no
4: you know what was interesting I, it's so me because I went into Interscope Records and I told them that I will never write a pop hit for them ever again so they better just leave let me go right because I was being held captive right because What's Up was kind
1: of to them a pop hit yeah. Right? yeah And
4: but I was being held captive they just want me to do that over and over and I said I wasn't going to do that but even if What's Up part two was in my pocket I would never give it to them so finally they let me go and then it was so funny that the first thing I started doing was write pop <laughs>
1: <laughs> can, we, can we listen to another one of the big, the big pop hits? Take a listen to this
0: I am beautiful No matter
1: That is Christina Aguilera and beautiful Linda Perry, who, again, co-wrote, wrote that song with Christina. Wrote no, she co-wrote. wrote that song for Christina mm-hmm. Aguilera. Um, is in the studio with me right now. I'm just looking at the piano because I sat down yesterday at the piano trying to work it out. Oh. it's a, it's, a, it's I couldn't quite get there.
4: That's super easy.
1: Really? <laughs> Want to play it? <laughs> yeah. All right.
4: I'll go play it for you. There's my pedal? Every day is so wonderful and suddenly it's hard to breathe. Do you want the short version? Yeah. Now and then I get insecure from all the pain. I'm so ashamed. Cause I am beautiful, no, ma- <laughs> no matter what they say. Words can't bring me down. Oh no, now I'll shorten it. So don't you bring me down today. Oh, Linda Barry
1: singing her the song she wrote. What's wrong with me? The song she wrote, Christina Aguilera's beautiful. Um I got a couple questions for you and yeah. I know you gotta move on. But can you tell me a little story about writing that song?
4: Well, I wrote that song thinking that, you know, I would go back to being an artist because I was I kinda disappeared. Mm-hmm. Thanks I mean, for doing that, by the way. Oh, That's the welcome. coolest thing. Yeah. Um uh, I rarely do that. I don't really perform, but um you're welcome. I like you love you. Thank you. I like you Thank you. Um, so I was thinking, you know, all right, I'll go be a, I'll go do that again. And, um, I was got to that chorus and it was like, I am beautiful no matter what. And then I just, I stopped Mm. dead. Like, I don't think I'm beautiful. Like it, it had a very crazy emotional effect on me. And then I realized, oh, I Don't think I'm beautiful. I'm trying to tell myself that. And I need to realize that people can't make me feel bad for, you know, what I look like. Yeah, words can't bring me down. Exactly. So that's where it kind of came from. So it was going to be my song that was going to be my hit. And then Christina, um, I played it to her because she wanted me to break the ice. I played her the song. And then she's like, I want that song. And I was like, ah. And then I said, I'll tell you what. You Let me hear you sing it because you are beautiful. There's no way you relate to the song. And then when I heard her sing it, she literally at the top of the song was to her friend. She's like, don't look at me. you know. And I knew I was going to keep that at the top of the song, which I did. And I knew she felt as vulnerable mm-hmm. and insecure as I did. Mm-hmm. And Lin- it made sense.
1: Linda, I got to tell you, like talking to you today, I mean, we talked a lot about how the music industry is, is – i 'm trying to figure out how to do this without cursing now too, but mm-hmm. is 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 in some trouble you know, and I know that like compared to when you were when what's up came out i mean i heard a res- I was reading about you yesterday and, and I saw a sentence that I never see anymore, which is that oh the what 's up by four non blondes, the success of that single catapulted the album into you know, X amount of oh, yeah. sales. And I was like, well, that's just never going to happen again. A single's yeah. never going to sell an album ever again. Yeah, you know? I,
4: I believe in the power of the album. Mm-hmm. I do believe it's coming back. And I mean, the way I write, like if you notice that I don't have a bunch of songs coming out all the time. Yeah. You know, I just i am very – I just do what I do. Uh-huh. But lately my phone has been running – Ringing off the hook, yeah, and I know that means something because I said I'm not going to write f- what people want when people want songs again, they'll call me. And lately, everybody's been calling me.
1: I think that means you might be a little hopeful, yeah. <laughs> is that the case? Are you? I mean, like, is- I'm
4: super hopeful, yeah. I mean, I am. I'm I love music, I love the industry as crazy as i was, I saved another word as crazy as it is and how negative it can be i find it very thriving always because there's so much you can do there's so many there's so many ways to step in and make a difference
1: i really appreciate you taking so much time and talking to me today of course i really i really love this thanks a lot for coming in hey linda perry is a hit maker a songwriter and producer That is it for the show today. On Monday, Talia Schlanger will be with you interviewing Charlotte Caffey from the band The Go-Go's on their story. All right, we'll see you then. Later on.